Blog Talk Radio. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, one, two, one, two, See, you see what happened? 
I was like, I, I had, because I didn't hear the beep. I'm like, wait a minute, he didn't beat me in. You know, I think I pulled up FIFOs, my bad. <laughs> it is hey, like, man, I should hey, know y'all numbers by heart by now. What's going Kyle, on, man? If it's like, if it's like another 65 degree weather day, man, we we gotta hit, we gotta grab them shit to hit the court. Yeah, man. you know, man, I thought this about that day too, man. I was like, man, this today so would have been perfect too, man. Because yeah, it, it was every bit of like 72 degrees today, for real. It's crazy. This weather is crazy here in Atlanta. I mean, of course, you know, you, you never know. In Atlanta, you might get 72 one day and snow the next day. So you got to take advantage of them when you, whenever you can. Uh, let's bring in the point guard of the crew. My man, FIFO. FIFO, what's good, man? Yo, yo, what up? Chilling, chilling. What's up with you, man? Man, tired as hell, bro. Man, I just want to say, I just, I just want to say right now that I hate FIFO's fantasy squads. I hate them, I hate them, and I hate them. His basketball squads and his football squads. I don't. You know, like, man, I got I, I, I haven't even checked the fantasy basketball squad yet, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, slipping, man. It's it, man. FIFO's been falling in there, man. I'm like, really? What? Oh, snap. Yeah. I got to get back on it. And I bet you we, we got a, for those of you listening, we got a dead end sports fantasy football league and a dead end sports fantasy basketball league. Um, I haven't even checked my fantasy basketball probably in the last week and a half, so it ain't no telling how bad I'm looking right now. You better, you better fantasy do, football looking good, looking good. Got another do win. Your lineups up, just do your lineups up to Sunday, and that that'll take care of for this week. That's yeah, all, that's, that's all true. That's true. You know what, B? What up? Thank you for that confirmation. So that that way everybody knows. That I know what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to basketball. <laughs> hey, people. Hey, my, my, uh, before you go to um, Kansas, um, Kyle, but people, that, you, you you picked up a guy that I wanted from Milwaukee. He's like 6'11". Dude, he going to be a beast, dude. I can't pronounce his name. It's like a real funny name. The, Giannis? Huh? I Kumbo? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes, dude. You got him, and I was so mad. I said, oh, man, man, people squad. People got a squad. Go ahead, my man. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, last but not least, let's bring in Professor X, the brains behind the operation, my man Ken. Ken, what's good? Oh, Ken. Ken. His phone is here. He must have a Zoom. Yeah, what's, what's good, fellas? There he is. Yeah, you know I what's have going to on, man? Him, man? Uh, nothing much, man. I was just saying that, you know, uh, uh, people may have a squad, but he's not going to beat me. In, in fantasy basketball, <laughs> I, I you know I, I think we've only lost one one game so far for, so far uh, out of four weeks. You balling? Not bad, three and one. We doing all right, and with with injuries, my man my man D Wade doing his thing after his seven oh, day seven God. game vacation. <laughs> seven yeah, you hey, might as well call it a staycation. Hey. Yeah, man, look, quit, quit hating, Kyle. But did did you see Wade put in work the other day? Um, he put in yeah, work. Yeah, I, I saw him put in work. I saw his wife come on the court, do a post game, a little little chiding his her husband. It was kind of cute. Yeah, that, that was funny. Yeah, that was, that was a little cute. You know, I, I, we don't need to see much more of that. Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think she can probably get away with it. But yeah, let, let's right. just keep that to a minimum. We don't we don't need the the two worlds colliding. Even though they be on Instagram talking mad, mad, mad shit, though. They be posting pictures of, of fancy cars and stuff, talking about you keep talking, wow. living it. Man, they be they be they be doing it up, man. But yeah, my man got off, man. He, he looks good so far whenever he plays. So, you know, he having that bounce back year, like like I said, he was he was gonna do. 
And um, when Wade was out, though, man, Chalmers was putting in work. I don't know if you guys saw his numbers, but but Chalmers, man, he 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 was working, man. And um, I don't I don't know, man. I don't know what situation would be good for him um, to go to to where he can do that on a more consistent basis because he's not the starter in Miami, uh, nor is Cole is, but. Um, he, he looked good, man, when he actually had a chance to actually be like the man, um, quote-unquote. But nevertheless, uh, that, that's that, man. Um, real quick before we jump into it, um, hip-hop album of the week. And you know what? I, I've, I've been slipping, man. I apologize to everybody. I, I should be putting these on the website. I have it scheduled on my calendar. I just haven't done it. You know, There's been a lot going on, but I'll probably just do a roundup of all of the albums and do like this massive post of the ones that that um that has been announced so far like towards the end of the year but um but man look th- this one man I like I remember there was a time when um hip hop just wasn't wasn't really that good you know uh, mm-hmm. it it kind of went through a slump man and um these, these brothers man um soulful beats by by Ninth Wonder um you know, love the rhymes and the things they rapped about. Uh, Fonte was funny. You know, at a, at a mixture of I know where you going, man. funny and and uh, serious at the same time with the skits. Yeah, man, little brother, man, little brother, little brother. The listening, man. Um, God, man, you know, uh, whatever you say, speed for you, the way you do it, way you do it, uh, yeah. the yo yo. Oh my God. <laughs> The yo-yo, and, and you know what the thing about it is—is is, is that really is? I don't think that's my favorite. Like my favorite song by them is actually on the the Minstrel Show, the Minstrel Show, uh, "Loving It" with Joe Scudder. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. That—that's the one. And I think if I had to pick one, I think the Minstrel Show may be my favorite. But I'm going with the listening um, tonight because it just—it came at a time where. You know, I, I I needed something new and refreshing and, and to listen to, and um and you know the internet was new, man, and and you know it was just really hard to, you know the quality. I think I was no, I wasn't working at the radio state at the music store then, but yeah, man, it, it it was good to find like something that was really good to listen to, because I think this was around the time we started the count. No, 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 that was in 2006. I think I had it backwards. Anyway, the uh. The listening, all of you guys out there, go check it out. Uh, cop it. it is great. You can go to Cop the Minstrel Show too. By far, their two best albums to date, hands down. And um, and uh, I, look, if you haven't heard it, you you, sh- you should probably just uh, dry yourself in a bottle of water. But uh, outside <laughs> of that, so, uh, <laughs> you know that that's what I got for you guys. The listening, uh, little brother, man. I concur, man. Uh, uh, one of my favorite. Probably, much like you, the Minstrel Show is my favorite Little Brother album, but the listening is right up there, man. Phenomenal album. Great li- real, real easy listening. Just good, good hip-hop. I mean, you can't beat that at all. Uh, phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Let's talk some sports, man. Um, gosh, where do we start? I, I guess probably the biggest news that is going on right now is uh is something that we've it's been a story we've talked about several times this year because it's been in the news it's been headlines uh Ray Rice had his 
uh, indefinite suspension lifted by an arbitrator. Uh, they ruled that in his favor that, in essence, um, they believed his testimony, the independent arbitrator believed his testimony, that he was forthcoming with Roger Goodell and uh, about the events that took place with him hitting his wife, or then fiance, his now wife, Janae Rice, in the elevator in Atlantic City. Uh, basically, if you read what the uh, arbitrator said was that uh, the the NFL was very inconsistent in their notes uh, in that basically they couldn't use double jeopardy to, in essence, try Ray Rice twice because the suspension, albeit two, the, the original suspension, albeit only two games, uh, should have sufficed for the punishment if that's what they were going to deem it. They basically said the arbitrator said basically that once this new once the tape came out, the NFL had never seen the tape. Once the tape came out, they can't couldn't go back and you know basically uh, just get rid of Ray Rice altogether. So he is now a free agent, free to sign with any team. Which leads me to my first question. I like to throw out to you guys. Um, and I'll start first with you, B. If your team could sign him, would you want Ray Rice on your team right now? Uh, I guess it just depends on which team that can sign him. But, yeah, I mean, it's not well, like... I mean, I'm, I'm, well, we know you're, you're big Lions fans, uh, you know, Detroit versus everybody. We need Ray Rice. <laughs> and, and Detroit's been needing a run back probably for the yep. last year and a half or so. Yep. Uh, I, 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 so I, I if the Lions could sign him, him, if they could afford him, yeah. or what have you, would you want him on your team? I, I was yes. Come on, Ray Rice. Come on, bye bye, Ray Rice. <laughs> like, come on. You know, sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, come on, Ray. Yes, that's it. I would sign him quick, Kyle. I would sign him very fast. Get Reggie Bush on up out of there, man. Make, get get look, get us that quick into the playoffs. Make these final four games of the season and let us make this run to the playoffs, baby. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, what, what about you, FIFO? Uh, if your team could sign Ray Rice right now, would you want him on your team? Um, you know, you know me. I, you know, I, I mess with the Dolphins. I mess with the Bears by default. But um, I think, I think teams should. If you need a running back, you know, and you're and you're going into the playoff stretch, I definitely will pick up Ray Rice. He's fresh. Um, there's no film on him this year. Um, hopefully he's been, you know, stay, stay, staying physically fit, which I believe he he, he is because he's a professional athlete. Obviously, you got to get acclimated to get hitting again. But I'm gonna tell yep. you like this: it'll be a steal if the Falcons can pick him up. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. What about you, Ken? Uh, if you could put him on your team right now, what, would you want Ray Rice on your team right now? Here's the problem with. Uh, Ray Rice is that when he was playing, he, he wasn't very good, and and uh, that would cause me to pause a little bit. And we're talking about before any of this stuff went down, he wasn't really producing much on the field, and um, we, nobody really ever knew the reason why. So I would be concerned if. I would be concerned in signing him because I think I would I may end up with that. Now, on the flip side of that, considering everything that has taken place, he may be 
more motivated to go out on the field and show that he still got it. Whether he still got it, we don't know. But if you do opt to sign him, you could probably get him at a bargain discount. And if he turns out to be the running back that he was when the Ravens had him at his peak, you got to steal. So in, in, in Ralph's uh, scenario, if the Falcons went out and got him, he can't be any worse than Steven Jackson, right? So right. if he's a little <laughs> bit better than Steven Jackson, and or if he returns to the old Ray Rice that we know, he could be an extreme asset down uh, down the line in, in, in this home stretch with the, re- with the remaining four games. So if I could sign Ray Rice, it would depend on my situation. If I'm in a playoff hunt, and I can't run the ball, and I know that at some point, if I do make the playoffs, I will need to be able to run the ball, and I would need to have a running back that can not only run the ball but make plays when he get it. And we all remember the scramble that he did in the, against uh, in the playoffs that time for like 28 yards to keep the season alive, the year they won the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, I believe. Then, yeah, I would sign Ray Rice um, because – he could potentially put me over the hump. So if if I'm on the outside looking in and I have a problem running the ball, I, I will sign Ray Rice. Not only that, we need – people make mistakes. Unfortunately, Ray Rice is a public figure, and he got caught um, in a horrible situation that um, that we as, as, as fans and as people that view the NFL or the people that just live, period, had, had to witness. And it's something that occurs all the time, and it shed this light on this 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 horrible uh, thing called domestic violence. Um, but based on what Janae Rice said in, in uh, her interview with with Jamel Hill, you know this was the first time, and I would like to believe her, and Jamel Hill believes her. So um, this is probably just a situation, and a certain that got out of hand, and. He's paid dearly for it, and he's trying to rebuild his career. So um, I, I would definitely give him a second chance. We've seen the great things that Michael Vick has done uh, since he's been given a second chance, even though the two are completely different. Um, right. Nevertheless, you know, Michael Vick did go to jail and was convicted for a crime, and therefore and he was given a second chance, and he's been a model citizen. So I would I would give Ray Rice a second chance um, to definitely try to uh, atone for just the mistake that he made. Look, we all make mistakes. We're just not in the public, right, uh, to, to be put on, on, on notice. So, you know, we, we can make um, – we can get away with some of the things that, that we do, man. And um, so, yeah, I, w- I would give him a chance because I, I think he deserves that and I think he's paid for it. And um and I think the family, her father and her parents seem to be cool with everything. Because y'all already know, if there was a problem going on in that house between Janae Rice and Ray Rice and her dad caught wind of it, that man, Ray Rice might be dead. Or severe, well, well, or in serious well, let me, let me play you know that he had a long I mean, now, you, you and I both married. Uh, you and I both have in-laws. You know, it, we don't tell our in-laws everything, and not to say that you know, you know that that 
you hit your wife or your wife <laughs> hits you <laughs> or my my wife or my wife hits me. But what I'm saying is like some things you just you, you know some things for as, any couple you keep to yourself. So I'm not so sure that if there was prior abuse, and I'm definitely not in the position to judge Ray Rice to say whether or not. You know, this is something I I have my own personal opinion as to whether or not his reaction. And I think we talked about it before. His reaction kind of led me to believe that this is something that has happened before. Maybe not to the point where he's knocked her out, but his lack, his reaction or lack thereof, uh, kind of gave me that indication. But that's neither here nor there. The question at hand is, would I want him on my team? Yes, I think everybody, like you said, I think everybody deserves a second chance. I think he would have to, obviously at this point, you would want to see him on a team um, that is making a playoff push, not somebody like, uh, you know, I don't know, somebody who's not going to make the, like Jacksonville or someplace like that. Um, uh, Our boy Q Q hit us up on Twitter. He said Miami, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Arizona should all be looking at him. And those are all teams that are in the playoff. Pittsburgh I'm not sure about because they – and here's the thing, and I think B talked about it as far as, like, his production. Um, he was going to be split in time with Forsett coming into this season anyway. And you've seen the kind of season that Forsett has had for uh, Baltimore. Uh, he's been a pleasant surprise for them offensively. Um, that being said, I think what happens is is that if you're looking at a dual-back situation where you got, you know, two running backs, and I think you're okay. I think you're okay. I think that in that scenario – you're not asking Ray Rice to carry the ball 30 times a game. Uh, you're asking him split carries, and I think he can do that, especially for a team that, that is going to need uh, 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 some help coming down the stretch. Uh, and like you said, he's fresh, so I, why not give him a chance? Everybody deserves a second chance. Will he get another chance this season? Um, it, it doesn't, and there's been a couple of teams that said that they've looked at him. Uh, honestly, it's looking like it's probably going to be next season. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously I know he would want to get on with the team, but maybe he wants to just, you know, have a fresh start. I don't know. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Ray Rice, the person, Ray Rice, the football player, wants to put all of this behind him. Uh, at the end of the day, what happened in that elevator or what happened subsequently, see, we have to keep in mind is that Ray Rice is – Ray Rice and Janae Rice – have decided to be married. And, you know, if they stay married until they're, you know, 60 years, whatever, there's going to come a time where it's not about Ray Rice, the football player. It's about Ray Rice, the person. And that's what she's going to have to deal with, and that's what he's going to have to deal with in their marriage. And that will be long after the cameras and the notoriety and and whether people care about whether or not he can still run the ball. So that's the thing I think they have to focus on. Um... But the football side of it, yeah, I, I take him on my team. I would take him on my team, and 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 uh, now you know it's wherever he goes, it's going to be a PR issue initially. But I mean, you know, it's it was like you said, Ken, for Vic, it was a PR issue where he went. You know, he went to Philadelphia, and, and you got to give your give uh, credit to Andy Reid uh, for pulling the trigger on that because you know nobody thought Vic would get another shot at the league, and he did so. Um, like I said, different circumstances, this, you know. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, th- think about this, though, and, and it was something you said that, that I kind of wanted to touch on. They were engaged when that went down, right? Mm-hmm. And after all of that went down, as public as it was, they ended up marrying each other. 
Now, I don't know how much is that just to kind of, you know, for, for public perception or the sway the public. I don't know. But let's remove all of that. I'm going back to the parents. And, and, and because they were engaged and that happened, they saw it. They know they knew what happened. Right. Again, I think that there had to have been a lot of conversations, not just between Janae Rice and her parents and, and, you know, I don't know, and Ray Rice and his parents or whatever, but Ray Rice and Janae's parents to make sure that, look, you are about to marry my daughter and what you just did was horrendous. And I need to make sure that you are the guy you say you are and that none of this will happen again. And I know you're absolutely right. We don't, they're not going to tell everything, but the fact that what happened did come out is the perfect time to really have that conversation. And I think, and I don't know her dad, I just know just as a parent, I know you, you ever, I just know how from the things that I've heard, how this, what I've heard, how this goes down. I don't think a dad would put his daughter, I would like to believe, I'm not there, that his uh, dad or a mom, parents in general, would put their daughter in a situation where she can be hurt over and over again. So, you know, so, you know, I, so when you said that, I just wanted to kind of point that out because I think that that's something, you know, when we, when, on the outside looking in, we say, you know, they're married, but they were not married when this went down, and that was a perfect opportunity for mm-hmm. her to escape if she needed to. And right. for the parents to cut it off, because they, they, man, you know, if you, if, oh, no you want to sign off on that if, if that was, oh no, 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 and you saw no, that, you, you put your, you put your hands on my daughter, and it's, <laughs> it's a done deal. I think you, if you put your hands on my daughter, the next thing you, I'll probably hear is, you're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent, because I'm going to jail. Uh, the yeah. phone number to call in six four six. Four seven eight zero three five six. You are locked in to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, Twelve Kyle. Joined by my partners in crime, Beezy, FIFO, and Ken. Hit us up. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Um, sticking with the NFL, man. Uh, we had a situation. Uh, obviously, we, we talked about it last week, and 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 everybody chimed in uh, on the situation, the, the tragic e- event that happened in Ferguson with the Mike Brown killing. Uh, last week, the verdict was read um, as far as uh, Darren Wilson was not indicted. And subsequently, uh, the fallout there in St. Louis, in suburban St. Louis and Ferguson, uh, where there was you know, clash with police, peaceful protesters, and looting and rioting. Um, so everybody across the country has been weighing in. Uh, we had an interesting thing that happened this past Sunday. The Rams playing a home game versus the Oakland Raiders. Uh, five players decided to come out during pre-game introductions with their hands up, don't shoot pose uh, as they were introduced um, to the crowd. So obviously it was a pre-game, so there (laughs) there was no flags to be thrown. Uh, But, you know, as a form of solidarity, they did that. Um, So (laughs) subsequently, this rubbed the St. Louis Police Department very... Uh, it rubbed them the wrong way. They issued a statement saying that they would demand an apology and uh, some type of punishment. The NFL said that they would look into it. They looked into it, said that no fines were. They were exercising their uh, First Amendment rights. Um, 
that they were, you know, we're not going to be punished, we're not going to be fined. Um, subsequently, the St. Louis Police Department said that an executive with uh, the Rams reached out to them and issued an apology, and then the Rams said they didn't issue an apology. Uh, so it was going back and forth. It really sounds like the St. Louis Police Department is more concerned with protecting their image at this point. Nonetheless, uh, FIFA, what did you think about the players coming out with the hands up, don't shoot move uh, when they came out introduced for uh, pregame introductions? I thought it was dope. Um, you know, we 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 attended uh, Mike Brown rally earlier um, this year as well. So, if you guys don't know, go to DenonHipHop dot com. YouTube channel it's up there uh, we actually attended and you know I was moved just being a part of that uh, I thought it was a great move by them and I think it also speaks volumes to the fact that the police department demanded demanded an apology so just look at where their ideology is at where their mind is at in terms of this um, and how they just perceive everything and you know um, I just started a new job I have a coworker that's from St. Louis, and he told me that it is the most racial city probably in the nation, um, at least in the Midwest. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, being from Chicago, you know, I know St. Louis isn't that far. Chicago's way different. There's really, you know, there really isn't any race tensions in that way. Um, but, you know, for, for that police department to say that and to ask for that, and not even ask, demand it, that that's a problem. That's that's a problem, man. Um, and, and if you know, if America continues to just allow these type of things to happen, man, it, it, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate. It, it really is, man, because because we're supposed to be the leaders in a lot of different things, and you know, we're always trying to fight other people's wars and be involved in other countries, and we don't even have our stuff together here. Um, and you know, by per. Uh, Per capita, man, we have the most imprisoned people, and we have the most people killed by our by our police force. I think that the second nation, you know, we're we're we're, we're in the thousands. I think the second um the second country with police violence or police death. I think I can't remember the the, the country, but man, they're in the single digits. Right, right. That, that is so true. That is so true. That is so true, and that's something to definitely keep in mind. Uh, Ken, what about you, man? What, what did you? What were your? What was your take on uh, the Saints? Excuse me, the Rams players players coming out with their hands up. Um, I you know I saw it on Twitter, man. I didn't even know anything about it, and um, and I, I I thought it was good. I thought it was good, man, um, because they are a part of that community. Mm-hmm. And um, what what happens there affects them, and and you know most football players when they play for a team and they have these long contracts, they stay in the city, um, and, and I think that it shows that they sympathize with what's going on in, in a city that they play for. Um, so I, I thought it was good that that they're not the five players are turning a blind eye to what's going on because. When they step off of the field, that could easily be them, you know. And and so and, and I think that it's good that you know we need more athletes to be vocal about these sort of things because 
there are a lot of uh, kids, teenagers that 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 watch them, and I understood a little bit of what the Rorta was was saying is, and his position was, or some of the people's position was that the players are are pushing a false narrative, and and I think if you wanna if you wanna isolate it down to this one incident. Whether you chose to believe the, the evidence that has been, uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, skewed and mishandled during this whole uh, grand jury investigation, I, I don't believe half of a good portion of what um, has come out because uh, they blatantly lied, blatantly lied to us anyway. But, um, you know, if they're saying that they're push, pushing a false narrative that he had his hands up and that wasn't true and, and you know, witness testimonies, you know, uh, support that and, and medical evidence and blah, 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 blah. You know, if, if you want to argue that, you know, uh, fine. But it's about the bigger picture. And it's not mm-hmm. about this one situation where this this where this kid may or may not have had his hands up. We're talking about a bigger picture here. We're talking about Trayvon Martin, Jordan Davis, uh, the, the guy in New York that was killed by the cops. We're talking about the, a, a bigger picture and a bigger conversation, and that's what this is. And I am continue, I, it continues to amaze me how global this is and, right. and how so many people are outraged in, in all colors, black, white, are upset about what happened on both sides. Um, and people are still upset, and they're still voicing their opinions. Um, for this guy, for Rorta to come out and say the things he said, the way that he said it, using the terminology that he used, violent thugs, understand that we're the ones that's buying and supporting you, this, that, and the other, had the sound of a slave master talking who was upset. That's what he sounded like. And more importantly, when a guy comes out that is the head of an association, comes out and say stuff like that, and, and, and as vehemently as he did, it shows to me that I would like to believe that he is a representation of a, a, a sizable number of people on that on the police force in, in Missouri because he represents them. And, mm-hmm. and if that's not the case, then... How about some of the cops that's there stand up and be like, hey, this guy was kind of out of line. We understand, you know, what you guys were doing, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> because I don't know if you guys saw the picture of the white of the white cop and the black kid hugging. Like, that was yeah. a good moment where the kid didn't understand anything. And the cop was apologetic for everything that was going on because, he, you know, he's like, man, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. Things get better. You know, and, and they just embrace because he has a job to do and he understands that the people, the community has a right to be upset mm-hmm. and that they are upset for what he may or may not determine to be valid reasons. But, you know, so there are good cops on the police force in Ferguson. They're not all like that. But I think when you have a cop, when you have a guy that's head of an organization come out and say stuff like that, he has a lot of people backing him and he has a lot of people support. And he just didn't go up there and just send that letter off. That letter was signed off. That statement was signed off by multiple people. And it's indicative of how they think and how they approach and how they view black people in that community or just how they view black people in general, referring to them as violent thugs. There were black people at the football game. Right. Come on, man. Like, really? So, and, and and then on top of that, you're talking about all of the, the, the bars. There was a, a post I saw on Facebook 
where where a guy said, you know, we're not, we're not showing any more Rams games, or we're not doing this, that, and the other, and there are no more discounts. We'll see how long that lasts when you start losing your money. Like the <laughs> outrage that people have by this. Understand that a kid is dead, and they care nothing about it. They are not sympathetic to the to the reasons why people have said. All they know is, oh, the medical evidence showed that, you know, he he, he he didn't do anything wrong. He was just doing his job. Uh, okay, fine. Well, what about uh, Michael Brown's family having to sit here and go through Thanksgiving with an empty chair because of this? Right. And then this kid right. walking, you make the announcement at 8 o'clock on Thanksgiving week. When a time where families come together and embrace and enjoy each other, they don't have that. And you, they, they just basically set the world on fire when they made that announcement. And then for everybody to be upset and for them to come out and for him to make that type of statement, and not only that, demand an apology, a very public apology from the NFL. Who the fuck do you think you are? Why don't you go just go back to your little organization and you try to get get things back in order in your city where you or when well not your city or in Ferguson? How about you try to deal with the issues that you have within your organization and the training and all this other stuff and the policies and procedures? That's what you need to worry about. Don't worry about five players that are marching on the, in, the, in the field in, in, in solidarity for what's going on because they're, they, they care about the things that's happening in the community, and you don't care. All you know is that he wasn't indicted. He wasn't indicted because you had a pro cop that bumbled the whole thing. Oh, my God. That, man, look, I'm done because there were so <laughs> many gaps and so many mistakes right. and so many things that they did to get that guy off. It's laughable. It's laughable that this even happened. And you know what? It, it's just I, I'm done. And so yeah, man. I, I I applaud the Rams players for at least expressing and and showing their voice and using their voice in however you know fashion that they feel is good for them. And they even said we're not taking sides. We just want to show our support. You know, oh, no so, doubt, no <laughs> doubt. They <laughs> can't very passionate. I, I love it. What, what about you, B? What was your take on it, man? <laughs> I don't even know what to say after the doctor. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> said, hey, hey, we, we might I need mean, to pass you know, the collection plate, man. Yeah, something. I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. I mean, I, I, one thing I do want to say is, yeah, I do think it's really, I think it's awesome to show that you know players on a on the main stage are showing showing their support in the whole you know Mike, this whole Mike Brown situation by them being. St. Louis Rams players is, is kind of you know in that is near that community is, is near the surroundings so I think it's cool for the for the those five players to step up and you know do a do a you know show like a little you know I guess that was that was their moment like you know when they was announcing the starting lineup I feel I, that was cool that that was their moment and they want to take that moment take that time to show that they you know support what's going on with the community and you know I think it's good for professional athletes to do that I, I thought it was really I thought it was really cool so I didn't have an issue with it. My issue was the fact that the St. Louis police had a problem with that. Like, they was – and it was nothing but a peaceful, hey, hands up, Jester, and then they ran onto the field. It was innocent. It wasn't nothing too badgering or, or, or they wasn't dogging the police. They didn't even do nothing right. to offend the police. So I didn't understand why the St. Louis police was angry about that. Like, really? I, I mean, I even posted on Facebook about, like, really? Like, this, this, is, this is crazy. Like, so that was my issue mainly. It's like – Worry, worry about going on. Worry about your community. Don't worry about what 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 some NFL players is doing in a starting lineup kickoff. You know, 
at the what, three-hour football game. Worry about what's going on in your community in St. Louis, so what happened in, in Ferguson won't happen in St. Louis and actually the city of St. Louis. So, I mean, come on, really, police officers? Y'all, y'all really worried about what five NFL players did just to show support for a community? I think that's nothing wrong with that. So that's all I'm going to say. I can't really say nothing else because Ken just – Candace, too, <laughs> oh, so. Yeah, man, I, I really don't have much. I, the only thing I have to add, and and and, and I got to shout Ken out for for calling, because I on my show last week, I, uh, it was just straight two hours just talking about Ferguson, and Ken called in, and we we want I had Ken on, we probably had him on for about an hour, or so, um, and, and we just we really went into it. Obviously, of course, this was before that, but I, I told you know some of my friends. I think in in the five years I've been doing my own show, that's probably one of the most important and best shows I've ever done. Uh, that being said, um, I, I I really applaud the Rams players for this because a lot of times we we are always critical of athletes who are so detached and you know and they live in their own little worlds and they they're, they're afraid to take a stand because they don't want to offend certain people or what have you. Um, at the end of the day, you know, these players, uh, I found it laughable that the police, that this, first of all, this guy who asked for this uh, apology, he was on the police force and was uh, removed from the police force for falsifying reports. So that should tell you something about him as a as a law enforcement official, how he went from that to this position that he has to, uh, I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. That being said, I think... Um, I think it's good because here's the thing, and, and, you know, I saw where people were saying, well, you know, these athletes should just play their sport. I mean, that's that's like you, that's like someone just telling you, hey, just, you know, go go stand by the wall. Don't be a human, just go stand by the wall. No, I mean, yeah, and obviously there are certain repercussions that come with that, but here's the thing, and I was explaining this to someone on Twitter. Here's the thing that, that, that was impressive to me. It was done in a pregame Pre-game introductions. Pre in, in, in football, your pre-game introductions is the only time really that you you know that that they actually that the team will actually encourage you to be selfish, if you will, to kind of promote yourself. If you want to come out there and dance like uh, Ray uh, Ray Lewis, you can do that. If you want to come out and do flips like Ozzy Smith, you can do that. That's the one time because think about it. If you do it during the game, it's a penalty. You know, they say you're drawing attention to yourself. They'll only let you celebrate but so much in the end zone once you make a play or if you make a sack or what have you. So this wasn't a situation where it cost it. It was a pregame introduction. Uh, most people, most fans are just really filing into a stadium as the pregame introductions are coming, uh, depending on the stadium, you know, as that that's happening. Obviously, it made the news. Um, but I think, you know, people have to be mindful of the fact that you can't say, well, we want athletes to take a stand, but only on certain issues. You know, we had we we went back, you know, a few months ago with this whole Michael Sam thing, and certain athletes they spoke out about it. You know, and and there were athletes that was in support of gay marriage, and people were criticizing them for that. I mean, so you can't have it both ways. You can't be a you can't be a, a proponent of athletes speaking out when it's only the causes that you like. You know, you you can't have it both ways. So I applaud the players. Um, I'm pretty sure that there probably won't be any more of this going forward, but it was a great gesture. And I think in, in a day and time where you have these athletes, you know, who are at least the time when we were coming up, you had, I mean, I'll use Jordan for an example. Jordan was Jordan was somebody who never took a stance on anything ever 
anything social or political, Michael Jordan never took a stance on. And but you know, but that's who he was. So you know, at the end of the day, we kind of recognized Jordan for being who he was, and we really didn't. You know, so in in that sense, he wasn't a LeBron who who would make a statement or a Kobe who would make a statement about uh, what's going on and the mistreatment of people. Um, so I respect those guys for that. And I, and and so I think we have to keep in mind that these athletes are people too. Everybody has an opinion about this, um, and it's if if nothing else. It gets us talking about race relations because you you always hear people say, oh, well, you know, this is post-racial society. We're supposed to be, everything is supposed to be fine. Everything's not fine. Race is the pink elephant in the room. But you know what? The elephant's getting bigger, and we have to talk about it. And sports is a great place. Sports is is the one place where all races come together. And for the most part, people don't see color. You can go to a football game and you're sitting next to somebody of a different race and you're, the team scores and you, you high-fiving the guy, you're drinking beers, and you're having a good time. And then it's, it's a real weird dichotomy because when the game is over, you go, you go get in your car, he gets in his car, you go to your house, he goes to his house, and you probably never come back in contact with each other like that. So um, I think it's good to have that kind of dialogue. I, I, I think it was grandstanding by this police department. And they seem to be more interested in protecting their name than worrying about the real issues. Because the Ram, what the Rams players did is really not that big of an issue uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, phone number to call in, 646-478-0356. Again, 646-478-0356. Right now, let's jump to the phone lines. Let's go to let's go to 843. Got my dad on the line. Dad, what's up? Hey, Kyle. How you doing? All right, what's going on? I just tuned in to hear Reverend Ken. Welcome back, <laughs> Reverend Ken. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. And well said, all you guys, man, because you hit the nail right on the head. And I'm sitting here thinking, one of the reasons why, I, Kyle, you know how I love history. I'm a student of history. Uh, there's something I learned very long ago, that they who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Well, brothers right. and sisters, wake up. We're repeating yep. Jim Crow. We're repeating uh, post-slavery. What was that? Uh, uh, reconstruction. We're living that all over again. Not in the same way, but that's all it is. Kyle, before I forget, let me make this point, uh, or say this too. You're right about Jordan. Jordan was the best player of all time but as a man if I was to greet him as a man and standing up for himself well maybe not standing up for himself but standing up for his people and I had to greet him I'd give him an F uh, the greatest athlete whom I can speak about well not really but the man I admire most as far as an athlete uh, that gave back or really did something for his people is Magic Magic right pretty much rebuilt South Central. Uh, he put his money where his heart and mouth was. You know, uh, Jordan never took a stand. And, you know, these guys, these cops, they remind me of Gilbert when LeBron walked out of town. You know, uh, it's like get back on the plantation. That's how they're treating those athletes. And, you know, those particular athletes from St. Louis, I never heard of any of them except for Kenny Britt. So these guys aren't 
guys that are stars, all pro players and things of that nature. He's just regular guys, you know, just members of a squad. And there's nothing wrong with what they did. One of the, a lot of things that Ken pointed out, uh, I'm not sure how the nation, I know the nation isn't aware of the fact that that uh, lady district attorney who presented evidence, and quite frankly, you know, I, I don't like, you know, people getting mad at Sir Charles because he said, you know, the, because the grand jury report, quite frankly, the way that was, that grand jury presented evidence, they in all good conscience couldn't have indicted them. But that's the point. The way they presented the evidence. This lady read an ancient law where it was okay to shoot a fleeing suspect. So somebody stole some bubble gum and didn't stop when the cop this old law and didn't stop when the cop was pursuing. That cop had a right to shoot him. Right. Now what she didn't do, now she corrected herself and, that's, and said that wasn't the law, but she didn't say you can't consider that. She said don't worry about it. Right. Now, what kind of answer, what kind of, when somebody asks her a specific and she says don't worry about it, what kind of weight are they going to give to that? Well, I, I think I think the the bigger thing, yeah, it, and, and it, we could, I, I could talk all night about how how bad the, the everything was set up. What, what do you think as far as the, the players taking a stand and and the fallout from that, as far as, or do you think there'll be a huge fallout from that? There shouldn't be, and if there is, then they can, then the black players should band together and say, "The hell with you, Goodell or whoever. I'm not on a plantation. I am in the NFL. Now, if you don't want me there, then then uh, you get the white guys and everybody else to stands up for themselves because." We have a right as citizens to speak whatever we feel like speaking. If I want to demonstrate, I did it peacefully. I didn't hold up a sign. I didn't say kill whitey or anything of that nature. All I did was hold up my hands. And uh, truth be, now you saying that that wasn't the case? Well, you have a prosecutor that really, he didn't uh, do what other prosecutors do as far as presenting evidence, what a prosecutor would do, what a prosecutor should have done, was present evidence of what happened, let him be indicted, and let a jury of his peers decide his guilt or innocence. What happened was uh, Wilson had McCulloch or McCulloch's uh, people presenting Actually, he was presenting evidence against Ron Brown. He was convicting Ron Brown of causing a policeman to shoot him. I mean, some who's that ignorant? Mike Giuliani. Brown. Yeah, Mike Brown. Uh, Giuliani said black people shouldn't do things to make police shoot him. Excuse me? You know, in other words, if we ever exercise our rights or because we have dark skin, because we wear hoodies... That's enough reason to make somebody nervous enough, nervous enough to want to shoot you. And, be, and Or if we, just like that kid there, if we steal a cigar, then we're in danger of getting shot. Now, what white man in America is going to be in danger for, being, for stealing a cigar? What white man is going to be in danger for stealing a car? What right. white, you know, heck, unless he robs a bank or, or shoots Miss Ann or hurts Miss Ann, he's cool. You know, you know, let's let's. And now you said 
they, they got to face the issue. Let's face the issue. The issues are, and it's very simple, this country does not like, and I'm not saying the whole country, I'm just saying a good segment of this country has a problem with a black man, with a black wife. Hell, this old-ass woman talking about those wonderful little girls who are great little girls and ain't right. said a damn word about those uh, two ladies, those two drunks of Bush, who ID fraud, you know, stole uh, illegal ID, and then they go get drunk, and they're 16 years old. And then you tell, oh, my God, that woman should have, you know, the president is nice. What he should do <laughs> hey, is take let, some of those let, let, me throw, let me throw one question at you, Dan, before we get you out of here. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, if your team could sign Ray Rice, would you want him on your team right now? I don't see a reason why not, because my my team is the Giants, and they, except for Rashad Jennings, uh, that kid they got, Williams, does okay. But neither, neither one of them is in Ray Rice's class, and I take his wife at his word. That was a one-time thing. They both had too much liquor. He's had the right uh, counseling and stuff like that. I doubt very seriously whether he would put his hands on it. But one thing he knows, if he does it again, he's losing that. he's losing that woman. And, Kyle, you've seen her. All you other guys have seen her. I'll ask you a question. Would you like to lose that? I don't think so. Janae, well, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, she's beautiful I've, I've, and she's intelligent. She's beautiful mm-hmm. and she's intelligent. Yeah, Great you know, combination. Sometimes the, sometimes the beautiful ones are crazy. But uh, I know, <laughs> I know, but I, don't, I really don't. I don't really. I really don't think she's crazy. I think. No, 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 no I'm not saying read. she's crazy, Dad. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't. As I've gotten older, I don't, beauty is is great. But I mean, that don't mean that you're not crazy. Well, uh, but I mean, I, and, and I'm sympathetic I've seen to from, what. What what's happened between Ray Rice and his wife, and 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 I hope that I hope that they survive as a couple, outside of what him what he's trying to do as far as playing football. Uh, we got to jump back to the lines, Dad. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, let you go. Uh, I'll give you a ring tomorrow, man. All right, good enough. So long, fellas. Have a good one. All right, All right Dad. Phone right, number, Dad. Call six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Right now, let's take it to VA. We got the sixth man on the line, our boy Q. Q, what up? Q. Q. Where you at? Yeah. What's good? There he is. What's going on, man? How's everybody doing? Chilling, right, chilling, chilling. Chillin'. What you got for us tonight, man? Uh, Nothing, man. Just, uh, you know, I don't want to get too deep in, into whatever y'all was just talking about a second ago. But um, I just want to say that, you know, I think it's a good thing that the players did that. I think too often, you know, uh, athletes don't realize that they have a platform. The one thing I like about uh, the Chicago Bear wide receiver, Brandon Marshall, is that he said that football is his platform, not his purpose. And I think that's a great stance to have when you're in a career that you're only going to be in for the average player two years of your life. But if you're so blessed, you'll have a full career 10 years plus. And I think that so often too many players think that they're just, you know, a number and not a name. And when you attach your name to something, I think that it has more power behind it. I think, mm-hmm. we, all, I think we all agree with that. And um, mm-hmm. the whole, you know, putting the hands up, I think that was a fantastic gesture of solidarity because that's what we need in the black community is solidarity. And showing each other mm-hmm. that that we care, 
and showing each other that we truly are invested in trying to fix the issues that plague not only us, but all the minorities in this country. Every injustice, I think it's fantastic. But, um, you know, there's not much to say about that. But, you know, I'm, I want to get this quick shot in real quick before I talk about sports. Um, to, to people, you know, who want to tell me that, you know, Ferguson is not a race issue, I just want to quote real quick um, the GOP official of Florida. Uh, she mm-hmm. tweeted something yesterday that I thought was pretty interesting. But, you know, once again, it's not a race issue, apparently. Uh, her name is uh, Kim A. Creenier. She's on Twitter. You can, follow, you can mm-hmm. find her. And she says right here, and I quote, A suggestion for Ferguson. Fire hoses. Great big fire hoses. Serious water pressure. Knock those thugs over. They probably need a shower anyway. End quote. But you know, it's not a race issue. But I'm gonna let that sit. Y'all y'all can find Sounds that. Sounds like sixty three to me. She's the G O P official for Florida. But you know, it's not a race issue apparently. Other than wow. that, you know, uh, I just wanted to tell uh, everyone, you know, on a lighter note, um, that the Eagles on uh, Thanksgiving Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I thought it was, Uh-oh. You know, I thought it was a pretty uh, pretty pretty funny sight. And, and, and you know what like, cute? It was it was very impressive. I I that was and I know you guys probably say the same thing. That looked like the Sanchez from USC, honestly. <laughs> yep, you know I what? was blown away. I was like, "Real?" I was like, "Mark Sanchez, really?" You know what? I I want to give us credit in our division. And I want to give us credit, but I do want to hold people uh, uh, still. I want to. I, I know people are going to hold me accountable because this is still the same team that got blown out by Green Bay. Let's let's get that straight. We're growing, but this is as of right now. This is a, this is still the same team that got destroyed. But we went to Dallas. We tore down the Great Wall of Dallas, aka that, which is probably the best offensive line in the NFL today. We attacked Tony Romo. We made him look like he was 2010 Tony Romo, throwing picks every game. He threw two picks. I think, I think uh, Cole Beasley fumbled. Shout out to Brendan Boykin. We dismantled that team, and it was over by the end of the first quarter. I could tell it. I could tell that they were just tired. And the one thing I want to give credit to in Chip Kelly is the fact that people were like, okay, how is Chip Kelly having success with all these different quarterbacks? And I want to give you at least one solid reason why I think that is. Chip Kelly has a system to me that's almost QB proof. If you have potential and you are an NFL talent and you're at least an average quarterback, Chip Kelly can make you look great. And the only reason that he, he can is because the pace of the game, if you can get the pace of the game down and get up to speed with this like Oregon was, then you have, I believe, 20 seconds at the huddle with Chip Kelly still in your ear telling you, pointing out the blitzes. I don't know if anyone remembers that. But uh, Marcus Mariota, the, uh, the uh, quarterback now, he said that the biggest advantage of being in a Chip Kelly offense is the fact that when they snap the ball so fast, the, his, his communicator in his helmet has 20 seconds of him talking to him, talk, telling him, yo, there's a blitz, watch this matchup, you know, uh, try and audible it, keep it, you know, stuff like that. And it makes the quarterback, like, void out a lot of mistakes that, you know, a lot of quarterbacks make because they're trying to be great. 
by themselves and don't have a coach who's as offensive-minded as Chip Kelly in his ear. So people are saying, Mike Sanchez is like, he's a USC again. It's not that. It's just the fact that Rex Ryan is literally offensively challenged to the point where he put no weapons around Mark. He gave him nothing to work with. So the fact that he just has a Jordan Matthews and O'Reilly Cooper, LaShawn McCoy, Darren Sproles, and all those guys is making him look great. So that's what we did to Dallas. We destroyed them, and we got them a week from Sunday. So congratulations to the Eagles. But I think you know where I'm going to go next. I think you know where I'm going to go next. Um, go ahead. And uh, I think, you know, maybe I could segue for y'all real quick. But, you know, New England. Um, I really want to talk about that. Oh. Because, because <laughs> I'm still, I still am not sold on Green Bay. I love me some Aaron Rodgers. And Pop, I will say up, this. Uh, hang up on Q right now. I'm not sure. Hang up on Q and tell him to go. What do you want me to do? You know, know what? But you know what? I'm not sold on the Packers just yet. And y'all can call me Q Bayless today or whatever. But I still, like, the playoffs. Like, people forgetting, like, like they what, what were the Packers? 15-1 and the Giants beat them. They went to San Fran. They got destroyed. San Fran went there. They they beat them by a field goal. They are an amazing team. I do like Green Bay. I love Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's the third best quarterback, and he's probably pushing second as of right now in terms of just pure talent. Because the way that man can flick the football and make it look effortless, like Aaron Rodgers looks bored on on the football field. He looks bored. That's how, how that's how much better he is than a lot of quarterbacks. To me, he's completely like you know. To me, the gap between Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees now is so wide because Aaron Rodgers is a monster of a QB, and I love that guy. But the Packers in the playoffs, I just, man, I have to see them win, win a game. I have to see them do it. You know, I have They're the pretty utmost hot right respect. Now, yeah, I have the utmost respect. Do not give me, do not give me twist. I have the utmost respect. But I'm gonna tell you right now, if Gronkowski just holds on to that football for one more second, we we like we not even having this conversation, bro. Like Tom Brady put that ball in the only catchable window for Gronkowski to get it, and I still think Belichick should have challenged it because I think he had enough control of that ball to, I don't know, I have no clue, but you know, I just want to get y'all's opinion on this. So if if Green Bay, if the road to the NFC uh, Championship goes through with Green Bay right now, do you all think that any team has has a shot at beating Green Bay at home? Seattle is the only team I see right now that has a shot at beating them. The way they're playing, it seems like Seattle is starting to get the rolling at the right time of right. the year. It's the same way Green Bay is rolling right now at the right time of the year. Aaron Rodgers is looking like a monster. I mean, if he can continue to play like that, I mean, all the defense got to all, – all, all the Green Bay Packers, he don't have to do much if Aaron Rodgers out there throwing the way he's throwing. They gotta, all they got to do is have a couple of three and outs here and there. Aaron Rodgers going to carry him to the promised land. I mean, it's not like he, he hasn't done it before. And, um, yeah, I think Seattle. I would say Seattle. Right now, I would say Seattle and Green Bay for the NFC Championship game right now. And Lambo. But okay. I, I can't well, see Seattle beating him. What about you, FIFO? I I agree with B man. Um, I, I think Seattle's probably the only team in the NFC that can go to Green Bay and win. 
And there's only one reason why. Defense travels. Um, yep. And they have a quarterback that doesn't make turnovers. And that's a recipe to win in a tough climate environment such as Green Bay. Um, and just to win against a good team like that. And I don't know what the hell. Look, I still say Kyle, you need to hang up on Q right now because I don't know what the <laughs> hell he was watching. But, I, look, me and B both called it last week. We said Green Bay is the best team. They yeah, have arguably yeah, the best it. quarterback right now. They, he it. arguably has not necessarily the best weapons, but the best utilization of weapons um, in terms of Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. The running game is complimentary. And look, man, look, look, Aaron Rodgers is that guy. He is that guy, man. Look, as much as I love Peyton Manning, I defend Peyton Manning. I think he's the best quarterback of all time. Tom Brady is up there with him. But this year, Aaron Rodgers is showing why he is the best quarterback right now this year in the league. And he he's the MVP. I think he should be the MVP right now. Uh, because you take him off that team, just like any of the other top quarterbacks. But right. but other, I feel like other teams they can chug along. Green Bay, oh that, oh their playoff hopes is over if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt tomorrow. And I'm gonna knock on wood because I like that dude. I don't want him to get hurt. But look, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are for real. And if they get home field advantage, they might make it to the Super Bowl. You heard it here. Well, I as for one, and we can go back to the the the, the pre the um, NFL uh, preview show that we did a few weeks. Uh, I'm sorry, not a few weeks, ago, a few months ago when the season started. I picked Green Bay to come out of the uh, NFC. So to answer your question, Q. Long story short, yes, if they get home field advantage, I, I Seattle would Seattle probably has the best chance of beating them. But it's it's a different ball game, man. When you got to go play in negative five degree weather, I'm sorry, and I don't care where you're from, you don't want to play in weather like that unless you're from the north. I don't even know how you even get adjusted to playing in weather because like, everything hurts. I mean, it hurts to hit. The ball is heavy. The ball is nah. It's just. It's, and that's why they call it home field. And God forbid it, if it's snowing. And Aaron Rodgers is someone who, you know, good weather, bad weather, it doesn't matter. He's going to, uh, you know, he's he's going to play well. And he's going to throw the ball well in, you know, bad conditions either, too. So, same, you know. Same, same uh, way with Tom Brady. Same way with Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, same way with Brady. Same way with Brady. The weather really doesn't bother I mean, all him, so. three of the quarterbacks have, all three top quarterbacks, in my opinion, but I think people right now are Aaron Peyton and uh, Tom, they all have amazing home field advantages. Well, we know Peyton struggles a little bit when it's cold, when it's, you know, under freezing. But um, but Manning and and Rogers, not not the case. Um, Q, not Q, uh, Ken, what's your take on Q's question? Well, first, I think Q was 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 uh, if, if he would listen to me more, he, he'd be all right. But I told him he, he probably wouldn't be upset right now because I told him there was no way that the Patriots were winning that game. You know, I told him last week, but you know, he, he you know he he kind of laughed it off, laughed at me. He had a little chuckle, you know. But you know, it, it, it is what it is. And to your point, real quick, uh, Q about uh, Gronkowski not holding on to the ball long enough. If 
I recall correctly, didn't Green Bay kick like four field goals in the red zone or something like that? Yeah, yeah, they so did. So we can do the what-if game all day. That game probably could have been a blowout if they would have scored more touchdowns. And they probably, if Devontae Adams don't drop that touchdown, which I missed, but, you know, I saw the replay. If he don't drop that touchdown, that's a non-issue. But anyway, um, <laughs> back to the question. I... Based on what we've seen, I understand why everybody's saying Seattle, 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 but I got to see them play somebody. Beating up on Drew Stanton, the same team that the Atlanta Falcons beat up on, that's not going to impress me. Beating up on Colin Kaepernick, who I've been hard on, you know, I've been rough on him for a while. I told you about Colin. Told you. Arguing with Ralph, it's on tape. About this dude, Colin Kaepernick just got embarrassed. He he could not throw. He looked terrible out there, absolutely terrible. He threw two two picks right to Richard Sherman. He didn't have Sherman didn't even have to work yeah. for him. Hey Ken, right? He's still better than Andy Dalton though. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you know what, FIFO? Hey, you're better uh, than Andy Dalton. <laughs> I, hey, oh man. I, I, you I know what? The way contract. Andy Dalton is playing FIFO, I, I can't even I, I can't even argue with you right now about that. Because Colin Kaepernick, yeah. at least he can run. <laughs> Andy it, Dalton can't run anywhere. <laughs> it's it's but, uh, definitely going to be interesting coming down the stretch. Hey, as always, man, Q, thanks for calling in, brother. We definitely appreciate it, man. All right, peace, y'all. Hey, hey, stay, hey, stay, stay by the phone because we're we going to get in. We're going to get some Sixer talking here in a second. Oh, man. Tank for Moody, hey, let's get it. <laughs> All right, man. Peace. Phone right. number Q call six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Can you mention uh, the San Francisco Forty Niners? Uh, man, crazy. I mean, obviously they lost on uh, Thanksgiving night to the their rival, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They lost in San Francisco. Um, this team seems to be in somewhat turmoil. There are rumors circulating that. They could possibly trade their head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Um, what's wrong with the 49ers, Ken? Um, if, if and would you not... trade Harbaugh? It's a two-part question. What's wrong with the 49ers, and would you trade Jim Harbaugh as, a, as your coach? Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't trade the guy. Um, uh, Franco, I, I think Frank Gore is old. Um, I think Carlos Hyde, given the chance, will will be a, a suitable replacement. I, I expect him to do good things. Um, uh, and Quan Bolden is 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 an outstanding receiver. He, he performs everywhere he goes. Um, and uh, Michael Crabtree is kind of underperformed, but I think a lot of it has to do with the offense that they have in place more than him. And Vernon Davis has been non-existent, so I think they have weapons all across the board. I think Colin Kaepernick is a weapon when uh, more he's more of a threat because of his ability to run. But outside of that, that's it. I think he's he's highly inaccurate and and all he does is throw fastballs. Um, and I think that he may be a a, a bit of the problem. Um, okay. um, you know when it comes to this team. Um, and I think they've had a lot of injuries on defense as well. Um, I'm not going to put it all on Colin, but, you know, let's let's be honest. He's been highly inconsistent this year, and um, and, and some of his flaws are and, and the injuries on defense, he hasn't been able to kind of make up 
um, for its ability, its inability to kind of be consistent in throwing the ball. Um, you know, so he hasn't really kind of made that up. So when, when it comes to the 49ers, I think that all of what's happening now started in the preseason when all of this stuff started to come out and the stories here and the stories there. And I also think that the guys that that, that Harbaugh was winning with, they kind of were not his players. I think, if, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, they were they – were, um, who was that, Singletary? Singletary yeah. guys, the, the coach that mm-hmm. was there? But now so, Harbaugh's been there know, for four um, or five years, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of, he didn't have to do much when he when he when he when he took over was just take what he got and and, and work with it. He did a great job. But but um, I would not get rid of Jim Harbaugh, and this is why. I think that when you have coaches that have pro- the man has been to the Super Bowl. Obviously, he can coach, and he right. did it with with Colin Kaepernick, who had less experience than than he has now. So there is a bit of a regression in Colin, but I don't think all of that is necessarily on him. I think a lot of it has to do with the foundation that's in place in San Francisco now with the fragile internal structure that they have. But the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is the guy can coach. He's in a tough division. He's 7-5. and five. And when you have a coach that can coach, I think you need to hold on to that guy until he has some unsuccessful seasons, multiple losing seasons, and, and, you know, in order, before you start talking about getting rid of a guy. A guy that goes to the Super Bowl and a guy that that's going to seven and five in a tough division, I don't think that's that's reason enough to get rid of him, unless the he just don't get along with with upper management. And if that's the case, then then you got to get rid of him because it's only gonna you know you just won't have any type of uh, unity from the top down, and you need that top down support in order to get anywhere. No doubt, no doubt. What about you, B? Uh... <laughs> What's wrong with this team, man? And, and would you trade Jim Harbaugh? Um, much to Ken's point, I mean, I guess if I, what I'm hearing, uh, you know, if if no matter how good, of course, Jim Harbaugh has been has been doing since he's been in San Francisco, two, what, two, three? I think I want to say three NFC championship appearances with a Super Bowl appearance yeah, yeah. on top of that. Three NFC championship but, appearances, know, if, if, uh, one Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, yeah. But if you but if you lose in a tough division. But if you lose, you know, if you if you got issues with the gym and if you lose in, like, the, the locker room, uh, you know, as an owner or, you know, a gym or whatever, you know, you, you, got, you might have to kind of consider that because if, mm-hmm. if, that's a term, if that's a term on your team, then, you know, if, if it can prevent me from having those bad seasons that can't admit you, you know, the, the, the you know, two or three consecutive losing seasons, let me, let me you know, get Aubrey out of there now. Let me trade him or, or do something before it gets if it, it's, before it gets worse. Because, if, right. of course, we don't we don't know. But like I said, if it's bad turmoil between him and the GM and the president or whatever, and, it's the, and if it's bad karma in the locker room, you know, with the players, once the players kind of give up on you, it, it's kind of like a done deal. So at that point, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm just going to dust my hands off, you know, see you, Jim. I hope you wish you luck in your future endeavors, you know, hopefully no hard feelings or whatever, but, you know, we appreciate what you've done here the past four seasons and keep it moving. No doubt, no doubt. That's a very good point. What about you, FIFO? Um, 49ers, man, why Why the struggles? This is a team that's going to three consecutive NFC Championship games. I think uh, the struggle, you know, comes from the guy 
Ken is always on and his name starts with Colin Kaepernick. Let's be <laughs> look, look, I, I, I defend Kaepernick. I like Kaepernick, but he does have his deficiencies. And I think Ken said it best. He is a threat. He, he's really not necessarily a quarterback because when all else fails, and he takes off running, that, that that's something that's just too hard to account for. But at the same time, his problem is is that he's not necessarily progressing as an NFL quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he has an arm. Yeah, he, you know, he can make a lot of, you know, he can make plays that only maybe one or two other guys in the league can make. But the problem is is that he is not playing NFL quarterback. And being an NFL quarterback, you have to play in the pocket. Yes, you can break down and run and create. When you look at Russell Wilson, what does he do? He runs, but he doesn't always run to run. He runs to throw, or he runs to get as many yards as he can. But the Same way Aaron Rodgers. He has, right. Exactly. And I was going to go to Aaron Rodgers as well. They have pocket awareness. Because they can move and they can dance and they can do, but they're still looking to throw the ball. And, and not saying that Colin doesn't, but he locks onto his target too much, and he's not killing you with the second and third and fourth guy out there. He's just not doing it. And there's another thing that Ken said. Vernon Davis is not being utilized. Vernon Davis is a top three tight end talent-wise, and he's shown that he can be very productive. And that's not – this season is not on Vernon Davis not running the right route, not doing this. No, this is on Collins. You put you transplant Aaron Rodgers to this team. This is a dynasty. I, I'm, I'm gonna just say it like that. It's a dynasty. Even with those three or four defenders missing off of the roster this year, you put Aaron Rodgers on this team, and they're probably undefeated. Maybe one loss. If the mm-hmm. if the Green Bay Packers have only three losses right now, you transplant Aaron Rodgers to that 49ers squad, and then boys are probably undefeated. And and and, and that's the difference. Colin Kaepernick is the difference. He needs to progress. He needs to start making NFL throws and reads, which he doesn't, and that's the problem. And because of his mediocre play, you get a mediocre record. And and, and just like my boy uh, uh, Richard Sherman, them boys over there playing very mediocre, and they arguably have the most talented roster in the NFL. That, you know, that that's a, that's a great point. There's a lot – there is a lot of talent on that team to be, uh, you know, where they are. And, and then, like you said, people, the seven and five. So seven and five is not a bad record, especially when you consider what the NFC South looks like. Uh, but seven and five is is tough when you've lost to uh, San Francisco. Excuse me, when you lost to Seattle already, and you got Arizona out there at what nine and three. Um, even though I think Arizona is going to fall back a little bit, uh, but I, I think. I, first and foremost, I wouldn't trade Harbaugh. I, I think Harbaugh is a great coach. Uh, I think his clash with management, or you know, the fact that they didn't extend him a, a contract over the summer, um, uh, his Harbaugh's alma mater just opened up. Brady Hoke got fired at Michigan. Um, Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan guy through and through. Played quarterback there. I remember him at Michigan. He was a damn good quarterback. Very good college quarterback. I don't know if he would leave the NFL, but if he were ever to leave the NFL, uh, there's nothing better than going and coaching for your alma mater. I mean, like, he would be a god there because 
He's one of Boshem Beckler's. He played under the legendary Boshem Beckler. He's one of his guys under his coaching tree. And to the Michigan faithful, he would restore that program. That being said, having, even with the success he had at Stanford, if he could recruit kids like Richard Sherman to come to Stanford, you know he can get the recruits that Ohio State is getting that, that Michigan is not getting. Um, but this this team has struggled. I think Kaepernick. I don't think Kaepernick has gotten better. I'm not going to put it all on him, but I don't think he's progressed as a quarterback. But they've been. I mean, they've got injuries up and down the board. Uh, Navarro Bowman. They've got Patrick Willis. And I mean that that's the heart of your defense right there. Um, but you know, I'm not going to let that be an excuse because at this time of the year, everybody has injuries. Um, it, you know, it's the next man up. So we'll we'll see. I think San Francisco has enough because I think the Cardinals are going to take a step back. I think the I think San Francisco has enough to make it to the playoffs. That being said, if they do, how far they can go, I don't know because I just don't know that because basically what teams are doing is they're making Kaepernick stay in the pocket and they're saying, hey, beat him. Mm-hmm. And like you said, yep. if you if you're locked in on one receiver. Uh, you know, it, it, he's gonna. His tendency is okay. If that guy's not open, I'm gonna take off and run. And Seattle's kind of laid the blueprint for how how you defend him. Now, they, the play calling has been very suspect. Greg Roman has really come under fire as the offensive coordinator uh, for not utilizing uh, the talents of Frank Gore and uh, Carlos Hyde. So we'll see, man. But I, I, this team is better than seven and five. I think ultimately they make the playoffs. How far they go is going to be on Colin Kaepernick. I, I think Harbaugh is going to get the blame, and I don't think that that's fair. I think he's he's kind of been dealt a shorthand this year. So um, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Six four six four seven eight zero three five six is the number to call. Let's jump to the phone lines. Let's go to seven seven three Shy Town. What's your name? Where you calling from? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jockman. Jockman, what's hey, up, man? What's going on? Um, not much. Uh, on Jim Harbaugh, I don't understand why the Niners will. I I wouldn't trade him, but I guess if he's really having been that much of an issue with the upper management, then I get it. Um, around like uh, the Chicago media, there's lots talk like maybe the Bears should trade for him. I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of trading draft picks right now with this team. Yeah, like yeah, yeah I think of it like um, right now, man. It kind of reminds me a little bit like what just happened earlier, like last month when uh in baseball when the Cubs decided to get Joe Madden and fire their current manager. But it's kind of a different situation with the Cubs and the Bears because the Cubs are starting to like are improving and the Bears are not. They're getting worse, and they they're gonna get worse. That's the unfortunate thing. They need the draft picks to uh mm-hmm. improve their defense badly. Um, on uh, the Packers, yeah, I like I said, I thought they could win. I didn't think they were gonna win, but it was it was a fun game, no doubt. Um, yeah, I think they could uh, they could be that team that wins the Super Bowl. I hope not. I'm still hoping to see them like get like obliterated in their first game. (laughs) Right. Um, also, uh, uh, one more thing, uh, I, I don't know if you guys are going to talk about this or not, but, uh, the whole Brian Hoyer, Johnny Menzel thing. Wait, wait, that's, that's um, up next. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, I don't know what it is, if, um, 
Maybe it's just because everyone else hates him so much, but I actually like Johnny Menzel. And I actually want to see him start over Hoyer. I don't like Hoyer at all. He's, uh, he's, he's not very good. He's like, what is it, like, don't, no touchdowns, five interceptions his last two games or something like that. I mean, that's not good. You can't win with that, especially in the, if you're in the playoff race. I just give Manziel a shot. Maybe he can actually uh, get this team some much-needed wins and get him in the playoffs. Who knows? Right, exactly, exactly. Exactly. That's that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Got anything else for yeah. tonight, man? Um, not much else. That's it for me. Not hey, well, as care. always, Jock, man, we definitely appreciate you for calling in, brother. All right. My oh, man. Peace. 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 Phone number, Jock, man, call 646-478-0356. Uh, let's, let's pick up right there, man. Uh, FIFO, um, you, you're the GM. Uh, you got a situation where, uh, like Jockman mentioned, uh, you got Hoyer versus Manziel, Manziel versus Hoyer. Hoyer has played awful these last two games. Uh, we saw him here two weeks ago uh, against uh, the hometown Falcons, throw three picks, and, I mean, like, he literally was trying to give the game to the Falcons, and the Falcons just kept giving it right back to him. Um, and he's got Josh Gordon back. But keep in mind, you know, the, the Browns are still in the mix at 7-5, and five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Who, who would you start, FIFO? You're, you're the GM. You're the coach. Who are you going to start, Hoyer or Manziel? I think that the time is to, to, to give Johnny a shot because the thing is, at this point, can you be worse than Hoyer? And if you're not worse than Hoyer – then you're the guy, and we're going to finish out the season, and we're going to see what we got going into next year. Um, and then, you know, you keep Johnny kind of on, on on a short leash. Like, if he's worse than Hoyer, then you go back to Hoyer, and Hoyer got you seven games. So um, I think they're in a win-win situation, also playing mind games with other teams, uh, where now you don't really know who to, you know, uh, get ready for. And the thing is, is, if you're saying, well, we don't know yet or whatever, and then even if you go with Johnny, there's no film on Johnny. Just like there was no film on RG3, same way there was no film on Colin Kaepernick, and these guys came in and they had success. And I and, and, and here's the thing. I was hard on Johnny. I remember when we did our first video, I said I think he was the most overrated. But, you know, it wasn't because of <laughs> he made him the most overrated. He hadn't even played it down. <laughs> exactly. And it wasn't because of anything he said. It was just the people and the hoopla around him. It's just right. like, yo, this guy, come on now. And the thing is, in preseason, Johnny showed me he is an NFL player. What caliber of NFL player? Well, shit, let's put him out there. Let's see what he can do. Okay, okay. What about you, BZ? Uh, Manziel or Hoyer, man? Who, who would you start? Um, I'm still stick with Hoyer. I mean, seven and five, and and let, let, let's be real. Before this season started, we were like, oh yeah, Hoyer's gonna be benched by like week two, week three. He's not right, gonna last right, right. this long. And 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 you know, it was at one point, you know, when Cleveland was getting towards the top of the AFC North. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, he had he had a couple of bad stretch games, you know, um, but hey, he got a win. They still won against Atlanta at away, and you know, he, he got your butt kicked by Buffalo um, away. You know, he lost two two a win game, you, uh, and you um, what two away games for Atlanta? Well, you won one in Atlanta, and then you lost one in Buffalo. 
But, you know, seven and five, that's not bad considering what I think besides us and probably a lot of other analysts or people who talk sports probably figured they thought Cleveland would probably be at this point in the season. If if anybody would say, and when we started in August talking about NFL, if anyone said that Cleveland Browns are going to be seven and five going in December, we'd be laughing right now. It was like, they, well, what? You know, Josh Gordon out for 10 weeks, they're not going to be nothing. For him to not have his number one receiver and his number one tight end, let's not forget, Jordan Cameron has been out pretty much majority of the season with injuries, and they still seven and five. It's not like they're, you know, three and four. It's not like they're two and five. It's not like, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like they, they have a losing record. You got to win a record. Stick with your guy. I mean, you know, if he came out the first four weeks, five weeks, you know, shit in the bed, then okay, yeah, at this point, you can't be any worse than Brian Hoare or Jamie Mansell. Go out there right. and let's see what you got. The seven and five, you know, you're still in the playoff hunt. And why, why, why mess it up and switch it right now and, and throw in Johnny football? Unless you're the owner and you'd be like, hey, I want to sell some tickets. But right now, so far, it was like Hoyer is the best, they best quarterback to win games for him. And they, it's, with, my, with my eyes, just saw they won more games than they lost this season so far. So, you know, stick with your guy. Okay, okay. What about you, Ken? The worst thing that Hoyer could have possibly done uh, for the Cleveland Browns was win, <laughs> was to get a winning record at 7-5 and five because now he's basically created a controversy um, in the situation where who do you play, Manziel or Hoyer? And, and the people that's pro-Hoyer would say, hey, the guy has won seven games and um, he just recently started playing bad. And if if I look at the last two games, I think a lot of that has to do with um, Josh Gordon. And not that Gordon is doing anything wrong, but I think it's just finding a rhythm and you know, or, or some type of cadence with, with Gordon. Because he's, he's throwing to Gordon a lot. And the reason why, there's Miles Austin on the other side, mm-hmm. and there's really nobody else because his other number, great good weapon in, in Cameron is out too. So B is absolutely right. The guy has had no weapons practically all year, and he's managed to negotiate a 7-5 record in, in that conference, and he's fighting for a playoff spot in, on a team with minimal talent. Um, so stick with the guy, man. He's managed to somehow pull it off up to this point. Let's give the defense also a lot of credit. They've, they've been playing uh, well enough to, to put him in the situations to win. And you just don't make the change like that. And I think when people are talking about how he looked in the locker room and uh, how despondent he looked and, and people were wondering whether or not he was going to make it, I think a lot of that has to do with his poor play. And he, he's looking over his shoulder. He was like, oh, here comes the Johnny Manziel talk. Um, let the guy finish it out, man. And and um, the the thing about it is he's just in a in a, in a bad streak right now. He's he's playing poor, but he could play better. The the guy was was pretty you know he was I think he was pretty good when he played a little bit last year until he got hurt. If if, if I got my quarterbacks uh, correct, so mm-hmm. nah man, let let Mizell sit, um, put Hoyer back out there. You have four games left. You're in the middle of a playoff hunt. You don't put a rookie who hasn't had that type of experience into the fire like that. Let Hoyer, if you want to go with Johnny Manziel, let Hoyer dig his own grave. 
And if Warrior continues to to play poor and go two and two or one and three, you know, down the stretch, then fine, you got a reason not to re-sign him. You right. just better hope right. he don't go four and zero. Oh. <laughs> right, <laughs> you got right. a problem. Right. right. I mean, yeah, at this yeah. at this point, man, it's like you got the this is the last month of the football season. You in the heat of the playoffs. You know, you trying to get that wild card. Why just flip it and just mess up it? You know, and just put in a whole new quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Right now, let, like you said, let him. Let's see what he's gonna do this, this this these last four games. You know, if he goes like you said, zero four, one and three. Okay, then going into the next season, you know, we're training camp. We're gonna see what Johnny Manziel gonna do. You know what I'm saying? And if he starts out. You know, zero and three, then go back to Hoyer, or you try to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I think um, I, I would go with Hoyer, man. I think here's the thing that you run the risk of: you run the risk of losing the locker room uh, if if you put Hoyer, if you put Johnny Manziel in, and he does not get it done. And you got to keep in mind that this team pretty much has to win out uh, to make the playoffs. Um, and they've got a, a pretty favorable schedule coming down the stretch. Uh, and so I, I think when you when you look at the totality of it, here's the thing. Hoyer's gotten you seven wins in a very tough division, in a division where everybody's competitive and, and what have you. Uh, he struggled a little bit down the stretch, but I don't know that this it, – it'd be different if it, if they were – Five and seven instead of seven and five, I'd say by all means, I'd say, hey, you know, pull him. But at this point, I don't know that you necessarily need to pull him because if you do, um, there's no guarantee. I mean, like like you said, they don't have have any game film on on, uh, on Manziel, but you're definitely going to you lose your locker room if you if you pull him, and Manziel gets in there and underperforms and causes you to lose a game. What happens if you you sit Hoyer? And Manziel goes out and throws three interceptions, and you lose. Now you're on the outside looking in, trying to get help to get. I mean, you can't go back to Hoyer. You know, you, you can't play that that quarterback carousel like we're seeing in our nation's capital with the Redskins. But that's another story for another day. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm gonna roll with Hoyer. I think Hoyer showed me in the preseason that he was deserving to have the job, and he, uh, you know, he outperformed Manziel clearly. Uh, for him to win the job and and like I said to have seven wins, I don't think anybody expected Cleveland to have seven wins by this time, and Mm-mm. they are clearly in the mix. And I think uh, if they probably win three of their next four games, they'll they'll make the playoffs. And I, I think that says a lot uh, for Brian Hoyer as well as what he's been able to do. Like you said, most of the season without you know his one of the best receivers in the game uh, in Josh Gordon, and he's back now. So give them a shot and see what happens. And uh, you know, kind of roll from there. Uh, so I, I, I'm not for benching benching Hoyer just yet. Uh, I was listening to some uh, one of the national uh, pundits talk about you know he's on a short leash. I don't even I don't even know that you put him on a short leash. I think you you go out there and let Hoyer play his game. Now he has struggled these last two games, but uh, you, you got to look at the totality of the season. And I mean, he's got seven wins. And I'm just not sure with the playoff picture looming. I'm not sure that I'm ready to roll the dice on Manziel just yet. Just not, you know. If we're eliminated, okay, then yeah, let's let's put him in there, see what he can do. But not right now. Just it is way too early. Um, phone number to call in six four six four seven eight zero three five six. Again, six four six 
347803563. This is the place where sports opinions collide. You are locked in to Dead End Sports. I'm your host, 12 Kyle, joined by my partners in crime. Beasy, Ken, FIFO, don't just listen to the show. Be a part of the show. Participate in tonight's discussion. A couple of ways you can do that. You can log into our chat room. Our chat room is always open, always interactive. Just create a profile for yourself and join us in the discussion. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook as well. Go to facebook.com backslash sports. Hit us up on Twitter. Go to twitter.com backslash sports. Uh, follow us on Twitter individually. Make sure that you go to YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash sports. Check out our videos. We've got more on the way. Videos are always hot, always controversial and funny, uh, so you don't want to miss that. And make sure that you check out our website, deadendsports.com. Um, let's go to uh, the NBA real quick. Uh Philadelphia 76ers, man. <laughs> right now, are 0-17. I'm going to read to you guys who who their next 10 opponents will be. And I'm going to ask you when do you think they're, or who they're, they're going to get the next win or if you think they can get a win in these teams that I'm going to read off to you. Okay, here we go. Minnesota. OKC. Which, by the way, now uh, Kevin Durant and Russell Wilson—not not Russell, <laughs> Russell Westbrook—is now back. Uh, Durant is back in the lineup tonight. Westbrook joined the lineup a few nights ago. Uh, Detroit, yep. Atlanta Hawks, Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn, Memphis, Boston, Charlotte, Orlando, and Miami. I'm going to bring our boy Q. I see he's back on the six-man Q since that's his squad. Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Q, when are the Sixers going to get their first first win of the season? Or do you even foresee that they'll get a win against any of these next ten teams? Uh, we're not going to win against any of these teams. <laughs> no, we're not going to win. But yeah, yeah, you know, the thing is, though, the thing is, though, I need to put this in context because only FIFA is seeing to be a vision right now. Like the Sixers aren't trying to win. I think that's that's the difference in, like, what people are talking about. People are not getting the full picture. You see what happens when you try to put a makeshift team together. When you just, – just look at the Knicks and look at the Charlotte Hornets. Just look at those two teams. Just look at those two teams and look at their records and look at the fact that they're so desperate to sign superstars and sign people who haven't really proven anything – few playoff games against Miami, you know, Carmelo Anthony, great, good, great player, and you're trying to make all these power moves just to be 4-14, and 4-15, and 15. and the Sixers are like, you know what, we're not going to do that, we're going to build through the draft because that's the only way that we're going to be able to do something, we're not going to attract a superstar to come here, this is not the city that it once was, the Allen Iverson age, this isn't even the Dr. J age anymore, it's way long past that. This is the age of Joel Embiid, Dario Starge, Michael Carter-Williams, Nernas Noel, and as of right now, K.J. McDaniels and Tony Roden, where our players are trying to develop. This is literally just development right now. This is not about winning games. This is about acquiring draft picks. We have the opportunity to acquire two draft picks in the first round this year. We already have a, a top 10 protected easy, and we have another one that could be top 10 if it moves up. 
And then we have some mess of second round picks that have so much value because they're early rounders. And you look at, you know, the New Yorks and you look at the Charlottes and you look at these types of teams and people are like, oh, yeah, Q, why don't y'all just sign a superstar? Why don't y'all go after a KD? Why don't you go after these people? We could throw money at these people. We really could because we had the cap space. We got fined because we had too much cap space. That's how bad it was. But we're not trying to do that because you see what happens when you try to put a makeshift team to, to, together, a.k.a. Detroit, Charlotte, and New York. I'm sorry, BZ, again, man. You know, I, I, I want to see y'all do good. I just, it's just sad. But, you know, it's just like those teams are trying so hard to just make it to the first round of the playoffs and get bounced out. The Sixers are playing the long game. The Sixers are trying to get the male Moody of the world, the Jalil Okafors of the world, and pair those with our core of young players and let them develop throughout the season and the next season. And then when everyone is just, you know, aging, all the all the superstars are aging, and we come in, we're like, yo, we have a solid five and we have a bench and we have a coach who learned how to play through this type of terribleness, we're going to be a problem. You can't tell me that Noel isn't developing. You can't tell me that KJ McDaniels, who wasn't on a lot of people's radar this year, is not making a strong case for a rookie of the year runner-up or at least a mention along with the people like Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins. So our players are trying to develop. Our coach is still learning the game. Brett Brown, former assistant coach of the San Antonio Spurs, we're playing the long game. We're not playing the short. Let's sign a superstar and see what happens. This is chess. You know what, I 100% agree except for one thing that you kept pointing out. The Charlotte Hornets are very viable. Very, 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 very viable. They're, they're, they're a relatively new team. They have a big piece that they still have to work in. And, and, and that continuity will come. They're already a playoff team. Um, but, but I agree with everything else. They are playing the long game. And, and that is the way that you have to rebuild. Um, now, now, they chose to rebuild because they had an all-star point guard. Um, they tried to bring in Bynum in, in different moves, and it didn't work. So, so for a lot of people, and I know that the Philadelphia radio and all of the pundits over there, they're, they're really bashing the 76ers, and they're really not accepting what's happening. But here's the thing, too. You can't blame them for not trying. We tried. We drafted Drew Holiday. We tried to go get Bynum. We tried to make some moves, and it didn't work. Guess what? So what are we going to do? We're going to be mediocre for the next couple of years and be the Atlanta Hawks? And you know I'm hard on Georgia teams, but it's the truth. And Q is right. What do you want to do? Do you want to get bounced out of the first round every year? Or let's go, let's be bad for the next two or three years. Let's get our core and let's be bad but good. Meaning that realistically, this squad next year and the year after, they're they're gonna be bad. But they're gonna be good because you're gonna finally see the core together. And, and and after that second year of them being bad, you're going to see more veterans being added. And and I'll tell you a team that is kind of, in a way, taking that that route is uh, the, the New Orleans Pelicans. The the difference is, is that the only person they drafted was uh, uh, Unibrow, uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. They, they drafted Anthony Davis. Everybody else they picked up. They picked up um, uh, Eric Gordon in the trade with, with CP. They picked up Tyreek Evans in free agency. They picked up Drew in 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 in, uh, in a trade. They picked up Ryan Anderson. They all of the uh, seats 
they picked up all there's different ways of building the team, but guess what? Their star player, how did they get him? They drafted him. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, how did they get him? They drafted him. You see what I'm saying? So so you mm-hmm. have to draft these guys and you can't miss. And I think that Philly and, and, and the last two drafts have hit the best that they possibly could. Now, is Marcus Carter-Williams going to be the next best point guard in the league? No. But is he a damn good point guard? Yes. And was he great right. for where they picked him? Yes. Joel Embiid, best big man in this last draft. The best big man in the previous draft, Nerlens Noel. You should have said, and, and I 100% agree. If they go get Moutier, that's going to be a problem. And they have two first-round picks, like you said. Look, it, it's a long-term plan. You may not like it right now, but let them get their core. Let that core play together, lose together, grind together, and then we're going to go get some veterans. Then that's going to be a problem. That's going yeah. to be a problem. But you have, but you have to understand that this is only the second year of a five to six year plan. So it, it's still it's still a long ways away. But right. but but you can see it if you put your GM hat on. You just gotta put your GM hat on. It you know yeah. it's tough to charge people the price of admission. Yo, they should lower mm-hmm. the ticket price. Yo, they, yo, you should be selling these tickets for twenty five dollars, fifteen dollars a game. <laughs> because because hey, you know, how about free ninety nine? <laughs> and the thing is though, the thing is though, FIFO, Another thing is that Philadelphia is still a top three sports market in the NBA. This is not just sports. This is in the NBA. They're a top three sports market in terms of grossing every year. So the people are on board. Like, people, you know, hashtagging on Twitter, together we build. It's not, oh, together we, we, we win. Together we build. You cannot tell me that if if none of Noel lives up to his defensive potential, just defensive, if Joel Embiid lives up to his offensive potential, if Mike Carter-Williams can get another guard to come in, like Emmanuel Moutier, and, you, and for those who watch point guards, I don't know if you are that familiar with Tony Roten, but that kid is 20 years old, and he was on a practice squad, nice. for, I believe, like the Houston Rockets. And that kid is nice. I'm not saying, you know, he's like, you know, an amazing player, but he was our leading scorer the first few weeks. He's dropping 31 points, and we're in each game. My, my, I could call Williams had 24 mm-hmm. points, 10 assists, and I think like 12 rebounds against the Brooklyn Nets, albeit. KJ McDaniels had 21 points, and he almost had a triple-double. So these players are developing. People are not – see, this is where the people who watch the game and the people who look at the box score are divided because people will say, oh, the Sixers are 0-17. I don't see 0-17. I see progress. I see severe progress in these players. Nerlens is starting to come into his game. Joel is healing up fantastically is what I'm, I'm seeing. And we are building, I'll tell you right now, I don't want to take up too much time, but I'll tell you right now, this is the definitive what we are trying to do. We are trying to be the San Antonio Spurs of the Eastern Conference. And if that plans out, the East has no chance. The East has no chance if this if they get this plan works out. Simple. Thank you. You're, thank you. You're talking the old school Spurs. We're not even talking to Tony Park. We're talking to Avery Johnson, Tim Duncan, and David Robinson, Sean Elliott Spurs, Mario Elliott oh, really? Spurs. Exactly. What, what about you, Ken? What's your, what's your take on that, man? When do you think Philly is going to get a win? 
Man, I, I I thought that was awesome, man. I was just sitting back, kicking my feet up, listening to, <laughs> listening to the science of building through the draft, which is something people has been harping on since they signed this new um, agreement. Uh, he, he he's some he's been preaching about that for Longer years now that, on man. how you have to rebuild teams. What, what was that, people? Yeah. Longer than that? I've been preaching it longer than that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but to, to answer the question, and this, this, uh, real quick, um, uh, I, I think B is with me on this one. They're going to be Detroit. They are going, because Detroit is just bad. Detroit lost to the Lakers. I, I, you know, and I didn't know they were that bad, but I think that if they don't, I think they're going to get their first win against Detroit. Um, I think Minnesota is, is that's going to be a good one. That's going to be interesting. I think that Minnesota probably, I, I don't know, that's going to be an interesting one, but I don't know if they'll beat them. If they don't beat Minnesota, they're not going to beat OKC. I think they can get Detroit. If they don't get Detroit, I think they'll get Charlotte. I think those are their bet. Those are the best chances they have of winning, based on what I see on, on, on this schedule. But I I agree. Uh, Q hit me up on Twitter a few weeks ago, and I laughed. I, I thought he was joking, but it turns out he was serious when he was like, "KJ McDaniel's is up for Rookie of the Year," and I did not see it. I looked. I was like, "What are you even talking about?" And um, and that boy is is. He is starting to really come together. You talk about somebody that feels a stat sheet. Like, Tony Roten was already lighting it up. But I was like, I don't even know half the players on the Sixers team. I'm like, who the hell is this Tony Roten guy? But, yeah, Q, man, put me on to K.J. McDaniels, and, and that boy has been balling. So, um, But Henry Sims and all these other guys, I have no idea who these guys are when they were even drafted. <laughs> That boy's potential. Who gets their first win on? Uh, who, do, who does Philly get their first win on? B. Where did all the B go? <laughs> I said Detroit. I said, I said Detroit. Detroit or Orlando? Okay, okay, okay. I didn't hear you. Yeah, okay, I, so you I, think the home town, your, your hometown. Yeah, Detroit business. I, mean, I we, think we, we, we're bad, man. We're just bad. I'm, I'm Detroit. Detroit. It's all. Dark. I think either Detroit or Charlotte. I, I think one of them. Philly. Philly will catch them slipping. I. When I look at Philly's roster, man, and, and Q, you made some good points. I think part of the issue that they're running that they got, that they're going to run into when you start talking long term, is that I just don't know the guys are going to stick around that long. Um, it sounds good when you say in another three or four years. But what happens is those guys who have already been there a couple of years, you know, losing is a culture, it's a mindset. You know, they're gonna they're gonna want to go up somewhere else. And I'm not saying. I mean, I hope because I think when teams like Philadelphia, when teams like Boston, when teams like L.A., when those teams are good, the Knicks, when they're good, the the, the their divisions are, are better. The NBA is better because these are stalwarts in the NBA's history of being good. And so when they're good, it's a good look for the NBA. Um, that being said, I think it's just it's tough, man, because there's a lot of talent on there. And, and I, I, I even kind of questioned when I look at, looked at the roster and I started thinking about all of these, a lot of these guys that are on that roster 
were early entries, guys who didn't stay in school four years, who didn't go to school for two, two, you know, who didn't go to school for four years. And so maybe they went for a year, two years, and they're early, and, and maybe their games were, maybe they were ready, or maybe their games weren't ready for the, the pros. And, and it's a huge adjustment to make um, coming from college to pros because you take a kid like Nerlens Noel who could dominate on the college level, you know, and now you're going against grown-ass men. You know, what what are you going to do? Are you going to block shots? Can you step out and hit an 18-foot jumper? Um, and it's it's bad. I don't know how the coverage is in Philadelphia. I know when I watch highlights on SportsCenter, you know, it, it's always that Philly is the butt of someone's, you know, the, the jokes. And you know, so I ho- hope that they get a win sooner than later. You know, you know, you know, you know what some uh, Kyle is that I think um, if you if you ever pay attention, which I won't, I don't blame anyone for not watching. Because again, please don't get me twisted. Like, I'm always watching the games. I like to see these guys develop. But here's why I think that it's going to work is because the whole city, along with the most of the players, which I believe are, you know, probably about almost the entire roster from what I've seen, has bought into the plan. I think they've seen it. They're looking at, okay, I can either buy into this and sit on this bench and heal my leg if you're a Joel, the way the year if you're a Nerland, you know, come out and just, you know, get some playing time and playing for, for money like Mike Carl Williams did, basically won Rookie of the Year, so flashes of being a pretty dual point guard on the defensive end and the offensive end. They've all bought into the culture of just give it some time. This is this is like what people said, a five-year plan at the maximum. We're not going to be tanking every year. We're not going to be, you know, 0-82 every year. Gradually, starting next year and the year after that, you're, you're going to start seeing – the okay, the Sixers actually might have won 20 games this year. Okay, the Sixers won 30 games this year, and then they'll put it together because Brett Brown is a coach, much like David Black, who is still learning an offense. He's still learning how to set defenses. He's still learning how to manage an entire team. And these pieces, like KJ McDaniel's, I'm saying if these players can even scratch their potential, someone like KJ McDaniel's, I like. Scouts from Clemson and scouts from all over the NBA are saying that his potential is on Paul George level. People are saying that Nerlens Noel has Serge Ibaka defensive tendencies, and he he can do that if he reaches that potential. Joel Embiid, I've seen so many so many blasphemous comments, but this is just how many common people believe in him. People have said that if this boy pans out, this boy is like Hakeem in 2014. I think that's going too far. But right. if people are saying that, if people are saying that about this boy, if he can just get fifty percent hey, of that, hey, I'm look, happy. Look, I mean, we all want to be our king. <laughs> Yo, we all want to be a king. Look. Yo, real talk. Hey, look, no, okay, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not always right. But I'm typically right when it comes to basketball players. <laughs> Yo, this guy, I'm not saying he is a king. He is the next a king. And what I mean by that is nobody's going to be the dream. Nobody's going to be all of these legendary players. But there's, but obviously you have to compare these new guys to somebody that came before them, and that is the comparison. That is 100% the comparison. There's nobody else that I've seen, and I, trust me, I watch a lot of basketball, has the type of soft touch, has the natural ability, has those same moves, 
has the jump shot of 15 to 18 foot coming in as a big man with that type of athletic ability. I'm telling you, I'm not, I don't know if he's going to be a team. I don't know if he's going to have the longevity. I, I, I don't know. I can't tell you all of that. I'm just telling you from a skill set standpoint, this guy's the truth, man. This guy's the truth. And I'm going to tell you like this, too. You're going to see the the change in Philly. See, like, Philly's problem is is that they they drafted their core, but they're filling out their roster with uh, uh, D-League guys because no veteran wants to go there yet because these young guys aren't ready. They're just not physically ready. They're not mentally. They're just not ready to compete night in, night out at a NBA level. But here's the thing, and Q touched on it, why why, why Philly is scary. Because they have bought it. Because they play hard every night. They push the Pelicans. It's not like they're getting blown out by 30 points every game. Because, because then that's tanking on a whole other level. They play hard. They just don't know as youngsters, and, and you touched on it, too cute. I mean, uh, Kyle, one or two year play college player, uh, college year guys can't come into the NBA and just win. It takes years to learn how to win. It takes time. They're learning that. They, and they bought in. They're playing hard. So once they start to get a couple of victories under their belt, once they start understanding all of that, and now they start to get the veterans, and then they get the veterans in their ear. Now that now now they start to strip. Yo, Philly is going to be a problem, man. And to answer the question, because I didn't answer the first question, I think that they can either be Detroit, Minnesota, or Orlando. But that, but that's about it. And, and, and realistically, man, if they get twenty wins this year, it's a good year. For real, no, no doubt, no doubt. I, I think it's going to be. Um, I, I hope, because <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I, I can't imagine having 17 games uh, into the season and you haven't tasted uh, victory. I mean, like when you get that first win, do you, do you pop champagne? Do you, you know, go to strip club? Oh, yeah. What do you do? I mean, like, <laughs> like the Oakland Raiders tear down the goalposts. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> what do you do? Because wins are going to come at a premium. Um, and that's something I just thought about, man. Like, like I said, just I, I just when I was thinking about it as we were coming into the show, I was wondering if you know the early entries had it because, and that's another thing too that we don't really see on a lot of NBA rosters in particular uh, that you know nine ten year veterans, the guy who brings along the young guys, kind of schools them, takes them up under their wings. That was definitely much. Really, it was a it was very prevalent in the NBA that we saw in the 80s and 90s. Uh, obviously, now with salary cap considerations and things of that nature, um, and players getting younger and younger, you don't see it as much. Um, but I mean, at one point in time, every team had at least two old vets on the squad who were just you know kind of not there to babysit the players, but kind of just to bring them along and show them the way. And I, you know, you don't really see that, and I, and I don't even see that on Philadelphia's roster either. Um, just like at that. first glance, we traded all those guys away. You know, like Evan Turner, we traded him for you know I think second round pick. We we let Spencer Halls go for second round picks, and you see what these picks are turning into: the KJ McDaniel's, the Jeremy Grants, you know, people like that. And before I go, cause I know I'm taking up a lot of time, but I'm very passionate about this, this, the Sixers, man. We have leverage. Oh, we got we got in the draft. Hurry up. <laughs> we have we, we we have leverage in the draft. Teams like the Lakers who are searching for just a one-win season trying to do something, 
They're going to want the Michael Carter Williams of, of the world. They're going to want these guys who aren't proven but can help out this team. So we have leverage going into each draft. So if people want to take you know some players off our hands and give us more picks, then that's what we're going to do. I'm going I'm to leave it at that. You know what, Q? I'm glad you touched on that because that, that was something else I wanted to talk about, but I know I was getting long-winded as well. But not just in the draft. This core isn't – the way you see this team right now isn't going to be like that when they start winning. Like, like it, it, Michael Carter-Williams may not be there, KJ McDowell. I'm going to tell you like this. As of right now, the way this roster is constructed, there's only two guys that will definitely be there, and that's going to be Nerland and Joel Embiid. Those are the only two definite. Everybody else, if the right deal comes, guess what? You are expendable. Trust me. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, that's going to do it for this week, man. Uh, for FIFO, for BZ, for Ken, I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll holler at you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.